Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, and uh, every week, of course, I'm joined by a fellow member of the uh, Fight Game Facebook group, and uh, most of the time, it's someone that I've uh, conversed with quite a lot in that group, but uh, not really the case this week, because I asked for uh, future guests to come on, and uh, this gentleman... Uh, got hold of me on Messenger, and uh, I haven't really uh, had much interaction. Um, so it's going to be uh, a very interesting conversation, I'm sure. Um, Steve, welcome along. Hey, Dave, thanks for uh, having me on. Um, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, and um, really interesting. It's really good to... Um, I listen to Garrett's podcast. I think I listened to um, Brady. Uh, I've, I've listened to his, and um, it's good to hear voices to the face you know when you see on the uh, the podcast or the uh, on the uh, facebook page it's so many people you've seen over and over and over it's really kind of neat to actually hear their perspective and how they got the wrestling bug so to speak so, you've so never, uh, I'm, I'm really and you've never done yeah, a wrestling I'll, podcast I'll, before i'm sorry sorry you've never done a wrestling podcast before this is the first one you've done this is the first one i've done yes sir yeah, we've had a few people actually who um, from the group who have never done a podcast before, and and they've chosen this one to be the sort of first one they do, and I'm I'm really quite proud of of that fact. So I'm delighted to say uh, that you've, you're joining me this week. But um, obviously, the same questions I ask everyone, and and, and the very first question mm-hmm. is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? So we sort of go right back to the beginning and how you became a fan in the first place and bring you right up to date to, to so how, what you watch now and, and what your sort of viewing habits are now. But if we go back to the beginning, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I remember uh, I grew up in Ohio. Well, uh, I was born in Ohio. And uh, so uh, my earliest memories of professional wrestling probably were when I was three or four. It had to be. Um, this is back in the mid to late eighties. Uh, my mom and I would, you know, every, on every occasion we would cuddle up, uh, and, and, uh, we'd wrap up and watch, you know, in a, in a blanket and we'd, we'd watch pro wrestling. And I remember always being a big, uh, Hulk Hogan fan. And, um, I, the, there are very few names I remember, uh, from that era when I'm from that era, but Hulk Hogan was definitely the, uh, like, I got to see that guy. And then there was Macho Man Randy Savage. I got to see that guy, too. And, um, you know, uh, you know, my mom would cheer and I would cheer, you know, and it was just fun. And and, um, you know, I think Hulk Hogan, um, you know, I think I, I was a big fan of his because he kind of reminded me of my dad. Uh, my dad's a tall, you know, blonde haired guy. He's got, uh, you know, a, a big bushy mustache, just like Hulk Hogan. And so it's like when I see that, you know. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of like my dad, you know, it's, that's my hero, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, as time went on, uh, you know, I get a little bit older and, uh, you know, it, you know, four and five years old, I, um, that was no longer a fun thing for me to do anymore. And, and we just stopped and I just stopped watching professional wrestling after that for years and years and years, um, up until about 1997. Um, I don't know if you wanted to talk more about that, but yeah, that was, that was my very first uh, memories of, of pro wrestling is cuddling up with my mom and, and watching, watching the, I don't even know what they were probably superstars or something like that. But, um, yeah. Uh, if I'm going a little bit further, um, in 97, uh, I actually stopped watching it completely. And, um, my brother, my younger brother was into it, you know, and he was into WCW and, uh, I can, I, I told you earlier, uh, but uh, I'm probably going to be one of the few people uh, that you talk to on here that say, hey, you know what? My formative days of pro wrestling were watching WCW Monday Nitro, you know, every every Monday at uh, 755 Eastern time. And, uh, you know, when my brother would watch it, I would uh, I'd make fun of him. Oh, you're you're watching that the fake stuff. You know, that's that's cool. I mean, that's stupid because it's fake. And, um, I remember my first, the first time I actually sat down and watched, it was the main event of, uh, Monday Nitro. It was Kurt hitting, fighting the giant. And, uh, in my mind, looking back all these years, this, all, this whole series of events happened within 24 to 48 hours. But then I went back and I listened to like Brian and Benny's show 
and uh, when they reviewed the retro raws and nitros and i mean this is over a period of like three or four weeks but um you know in my mind it was the fall uh the fall brawl pay-per-view where hennig had turned his back on rick flair and he smacked his head in the steel cage and um my brother told me about it and I said, oh, okay. Yeah. So he fake smacked his head in the cage because it's all fake. And he goes, well, I don't know, you know, maybe. And I said, Matthew, this garbage is fake. I what, you know? And so I saw it and he really smacked his head in the cage. And I said, well, that looks like it was real. And, uh, you know, the next, in, in my brain, the next night, Kurt Henning was going to wrestle the giant for the U S belt. And my, I was like, Matt, the giant versus Kurt giant, the big guy. Who do you think is going to win? This is so <laughs> stupid. This is all so dumb. And, you know, I'm doing my own thing and I'm kind of watching it from the corner of my eye, but then, and I'm going to get really excited about this. Is that because I guess that's what hooked me. And uh, so they're going into the match. And uh, I remember earlier that night, Ric Flair was on, the, you know, the, the PA or the mic or whatever. He was, you know, cause he was injured at home. And he, he told Giant, he said, don't do this because you you want you want to do it for me. Do it because you're a man, you know. And I thought, oh, that's kind of, you know, that gets me hyped up. And so I said, I hope, I hope he kind of really beats the crap out of this guy for doing that to the dude. And so they're wrestling. And Giant starts beating him up. But then he accidentally goes over the top rope or something and hits his neck. And then Kurt starts kind of getting some heat on him. And um, finally, Giant starts making a comeback. He does the big kip up. And uh, I think that's that was the match where... Henning did the really impressive, uh, the perfect flex. Right. And, um, I, I was, Oh, that's, a, that's an impressive move. Okay. He got that giant up and then, but giant went for the, the, the choke slam and he goes to raise him up. And then the NWO, these, just these, I don't even know who I didn't even know what the NWO was. They come out and they grab giant's legs and it goes for the DQ. And, and I'm like, you know, and they start just wailing on giant and giant starts fighting back. But it's like, there's just too many of them. And they smack him in the back with the, uh, the, the belt and giant goes down and they just start laying the, the the boots to him. I'm I'm like thinking to myself, okay, this is stupid, but come on, guys, you've already shown your point. You know, I feel like I'm J- Jim Ross, you know, in my brain. And I'm like, all right, okay, all right, all right, guys, enough. You've already proven your point. You know, I'm thinking in my head. And then out comes Sting, and he it doesn't come through the rafters. He just comes out through you know the side of the entrance, and he comes in the ring, and the fans go nuts. And then oh man, and Tony Schiavone listening to Tony, you can hear it. Tony is, is like the voice of I'm going. I'm like, and it's Sting. Here comes Sting. And then and there's a wet spot where Eric Bischoff is sitting because here comes Sting, and he gets in the ring. And the NWO backed off, and I thought, oh what a you know what a pansy way those guys did that to the giant and then he takes his baseball bat and he throws it to the outside of the ring and says like come on come get some and they all coming in and he just bam starts wailing on him he hits you know he hit uh, uh vincent then he hits bagwell and and just hearing uh, uh uh tony his his excitement over this and i remember he he hits randy savage and then and, and tony goes down go savage you know and i'm like yeah yeah you know and i just i mean i'm getting super hyped watching this and uh my mom got mad at me because I started yelling too loud and I had to go to bed. And so I went to bed. And I had a TV in my room, little tiny TV. And I, I stayed up and I watched the replay at, you know, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, from then on out, I watched Monday Nitro religiously for, I think, every Monday, uh, I think until the end. So, yes, that's my long-winded. <laughs> but you were, how, how, I, how old? That... Sorry, go on. No, I said that just that that got me. You know, that was I was I, I got hyped then. And I get hyped thinking about it now because it was so so much fun. So, how old were you at this point? You were like 12, 11, 12 at this point. Yeah, uh, well, I'm thirty seven now. I'm trying to think of the oh, uh, the numbers. Older, about 13, 13, roughly. Yeah, thirteen. I yeah. think. So. Yeah, I was about thirteen years old. So yeah, it was the adrenaline got me. You know, and and um, uh, yeah, thirteen years old. I believe that's what it was. So, yeah. so when I devised these questions, the, the first question was, what is your earliest re- memory of wrestling? And I sort of assume that once someone starts watching it, they continue watching because the next question is, which wrestlers captured imagination as a kid? So when you first mm-hmm. watched it, you were like four or five and it would have been like Hogan right. and Savage. But when you right. really got into it around the sort of age of 13, who were sort of your guys watching Nitro every week? Was was it guys like Sting and I suppose Goldberg Absolutely. was just coming in around, around this time, wasn't he? 
Yes, as it's funny again in my brain, this was the debut episode of Bill Goldberg, which I remember watching, but I don't think it was. I think this was a couple weeks later, but I remember seeing Bill Goldberg and thinking, he's standing there. I'm going like, this guy looks, this guy looks intimidating. Like, okay, let's let's. I, usually, I don't get behind watching the guys that maybe could be jobbers. You know, Goldberg had just the black boots and black trunks and looked kind of almost a little generic. Although his uh, what's that on his shoulders? His traps? What is that? The the big muscle? I, I, that's what has impressed me the most. So I was like, this dude's freaking huge. And um, it was definitely Sting. I was a big – in fact, uh, that uh, 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 that Halloween, I dressed up as Sting, and I went to my dad's uh, Domino's Pizza. He owned a Domino's, and I went in there with a the black baseball bat, and I lifted it up and kind of pointed it at him, and he's in there kind of laughing. He's like, I don't know who that kid is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, absolutely, it was a Stinger. Um, I was – when I first got into wrestling, I was 13 – I was like, well, I don't care what happens. I hope Hulk Hogan beats all of them. And then I started watching Hogan interviews. And, you know, he would, I remember uh, there was one where he was screaming, I am God. You know, I'm going like, oh, that's not, I don't like that. Don't, who is this? This guy's a jerk. So, well, okay. I kind of hope Sting beats him, but I hope he beats Rowdy Roddy Piper at the pay-per-view. And then I was like, you know, two weeks later, I was like, you know what? I hope Piper beats him too. I just hope he loses all the time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was for me, the, the big guys in WCW was Luger and, uh, Dallas page and, um, you know, those guys, it's definitely captured my eye. I was super hyped when they come out. So when Luger beat Hogan for the title, that must've been a pretty big moment for you. What's it? It was, it was, this was actually, that happened before I got into it. So I actually watched yeah, I watched a lot of those stuff later on, like the Luger-Hogan match, because they would show kind of replays here and there. And I'd be like, well, when did this happen? That looks awesome. And then the um, – and I'll remember, I looked – I hunted this one down, this uh, the uncensored 97, uh, the, uh, the the battle royal or whatever it was, the main event where, where Rodman was there and oh, okay. uh, the NWO went again. And uh, Sting came down and just laid waste to them. And I remember watching the uh, when he gave the uh, Scorpion Death drop to uh, Savage, the way that looked so crisp and so smooth. And I thought that was awesome. And uh, that's one of those things where it's it, it doesn't take it takes it takes a whole lot for me to really like get loud, you know, like oh, you know, scream to the top of my lungs, kind of you know, excitement. And I, I did it when I saw that, and I actually did it again. Uh, in 2016 with the uh, Lesnar Goldberg match because I didn't I didn't see it coming and I watched that at like 3 a.m. <laughs> so <laughs> I was that's that, that got me. So what was the first um, live event you attended? Have you been to many live shows over the years? I I, I have not been to many, but uh, let me tell you the the first one I went to was a monumental one. It was. Um, September 14th, 1998, I believe it was 14th. Uh, it was Monday Nitro. It was the one where Ric Flair returned to WCW. And uh, I remember um, at school, we all the kids, and this by this point, I, was, I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, I remember all the kids, you know, we were talking, oh, they're like, they're like Ric Flair's coming back tonight. I said, there's no, you know, there, no, Ric Flair is not coming back to our little town. Little did I know, I, we actually this was horseman country and i, I they I, I looked really stupid when the next day when they were like well what happened I was like, yeah and uh i that was one of those things where uh seeing rick flair return to wcw i was never a huge flair fan fan at the time but seeing him return and seeing these fans just absolutely unload uh, it, it was and i and unfortunately it was me and like five other people is my my dad and me and uh, like my couple of my cousins so we were sitting kind of in the cheap seats so i i, I saw that kind of from afar uh but uh, i recorded the episode of nitro and i probably watched it uh, quite a few times uh that one in the uh, the main event was sting and goldberg and uh, that was their first match uh, if i'm correct and uh so yeah that's that one and i went to um 2002 i went to um it was um it was the one it was the episode of raw where um vince had his early early teases of um 
bringing the NWO in. Oh, okay. And when he talked yeah. about, he, he talked, yeah, he talked to Flair. I don't remember what month this was, but he talked to Flair and he said, "You're, you know, something about something." And I remember thinking to myself, "Is he talking about the NWO? Because that's the vibe I got." Maybe I was the only one, but that was the first kind of tease of a tease that the New World Order was coming to uh, the WWE. Um, but I haven't been to a live event probably in a few years. I know AEW came uh, came here to Charlotte, where I'm, I'm living now, and um, I, I was going to try and take the night off to, to watch it. I just never got around to it. I, my work is kind of exhausting, and I just kind of switched uh, switched shifts, and so it's just kind of messed my schedule up. So I, it's, unfortunately, I have not been to an AEW, but I'd, I'd like to, and I, I certainly would, would be up for it. Uh, Maybe next time any of them are in town. Well, not WWE, but if AEW or something comes into town, I'd I'd watch that. You were saying before we started recording that um, you weren't really aware of the WWF at all. You, you, mm-hmm. you got into WCW around '97, as you said, but you were sort of unaware of this whole Monday Night Wars that were going on. And it wasn't until you mm-hmm. saw was it was it Steve Austin on on uh, on the screen? Yeah, you were like, was, well, who's this guy? Yeah, yeah. It was like I said, it was a Saturday morning. And uh, I and I just happened to flip the TV on, and they're showing Steve Austin, and I'm like, oh, I don't know who this guy is, and and they start up something, something WWF. I'm like, what? Wait a minute, the WWF is still around, and what is this show I'm watching? You know, and I kind of, you know, then I I kind of I was well, I I could flip back and forth to watch, but I much rather watch Nitro because that's I'm a I'm a insanely loyal person. And so once you got got me hooked, I'm I'll, I'll stick with you. You know, this I didn't so I didn't do any channel changing. Uh, you know, it was only until uh, later on, like my brother would want to watch uh, WWF. And so um, he, you know, we would kind of flip back and forth then. And um, the, to be perfectly honest, the, 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 the real raunchy stuff never got me uh, for the WWF. I mean, it's like, it's kind of cool to see a little TNA or whatever, but it's like, uh, I was never into, you know, some of the hardcore kind of stuff. I was always a big fan of the, you know, sort of more tame WCW. And uh, I, I, that's how I kind of, that's kind of how I liked it. Up, uh, you know, up, up until the point where WCW started becoming very unwatchable. And that's when I started flipping back and forth. And, um, and then eventually at some point, um, I had bought every WCW pay-per-view until 99 Halloween Havoc, where uh, the next night Goldberg showed up on Nitro, or he was supposed to be the champion. They were like, Goldberg win, won the belt. And, all this stuff happened. I was like, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm buying all these pay-per-views. That was a bad mistake. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. It... Okay. So you, yeah. So you bought all the, uh, the really bad ones in, in, in 2000. Did you? I, uh, I, if I didn't buy all of them, I bought most of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. I that's... think it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was rough. I, I'm, let me tell. Okay. So I just, I remember, I stopped watching off and on WCW towards then and because the WWF was more entertaining anyway. And, um, but I remember watching one episode of nitro. It was a Russo nitro and it was, I just, I, I would suspend my disbelief, but there is an episode. I, I, I it was, um, Kevin Nash was in the ring. He was supposed to do a gauntlet against people. I don't remember who, and Charles Robinson's in the ring. And the first guy comes in and Kevin Nash big boots him and he goes to pin him with like his foot or something. And, and Robinson counts one, two, three, but Nash took his foot off after two and they still counted it. And then the next guy came in and Kevin Nash, you know, kicked him in the gut and knocked him over. And then Robinson did the one, two, three and Nash was like 10 feet away. And I'm going, but what is this? Like, this is not what, what is going, why is he doing that? This is, this is to the point where I'm going like, okay, I can't watch this. It's, it's unwatchable. But I would, I would always tune in the next week because, like, maybe it would get better next week. But it didn't. <laughs> it didn't get any better up until, in my opinion, probably December or so. And it was only moderately better until the end of, of Nitro. Yeah, there wasn't really many redeeming things about WCW, you know, once Russo came in, I don't mm-hmm. think, really. I mean, that, that was definitely the worst that year, that year 2000, they were already down, I think, by that point anyway. I, I don't think Russo sort of mm-hmm. came in and destroyed the company or anything like that. But mm-hmm. yeah. he definitely didn't help it. <laughs> but that's no, no, one. absolutely. It's, it, you know, I mean, because I listen to a lot of Brian Alvarez and, um, I, you know, I think he has said it at some point was, um, he was like, 
you know, what killed WCW ultimately was Jamie Kellner doing yeah. what he did. Uh, but there were a lot of things before that, you know, Bischoff raised the, you know, he ascended WCW, but his, you know, uh, him, you know, and he admitted himself. I listen to a lot of Bischoff podcasts and he admits himself like he was power hungry and he obviously was made a lot of mistakes and uh, it's uh, admirable. At best. You know, I, I think that you could admit that, you know, and um, but he, he contributed to the demise. And of course, Russo is just piling the dirt on and nonsensical booking and and um, a lot of, you know, a lot of the stars were no longer really big stars much anymore. Sting didn't have the drawing power and Hogan didn't have drawing power. And, um, and I think it's because of the way, the way they were booked and the way things happened. And, of course, you see the same guys on top for six or seven years. It's like, you know, maybe I'd like to see, you know, try and get someone else. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing a buff Bagwell maybe try and go for the title maybe <laughs> or uh, you know someone else like that but uh I, I it's funny is that i i would i do on occasion go to the peacock and i kind of watch some of that that era uh some of the shows again and i think to myself like man if i could fantasy book what happened after they did the reboot nitro like what would i do differently and i would think about like oh i'll do the i do this and that and i thought man there's also you know in wcw2 there were so much politics that uh, it was almost, you know, it was impossible to to make successful with, you know, with AOL Time Warner not wanting them there to begin with. And and so it just stuff like that, just it really, you know, it all kind of compounded. And and uh, Kellner was just sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back in the end. Uh, kind of put the, the dead horse out to, you know, uh, you know, put a put a bullet in his head or whatever the saying goes. Yeah, because even if. <laughs> Yeah, even still, AOL, AOL Time Warner didn't want wrestling. But if if WCW was still doing the ratings it was doing mm. in ninety seven, ninety eight, they, they would have been nuts to have pulled the plug. At that Absolutely, point. Uh, but, yeah. But obviously, I mean, it, it was just it was unsalvageable by by that mm-hmm. point. Uh, and I think the the ironic thing now is that WWE would kill for the ratings that WCW was doing at the very yeah. end. And, and- at the very end, yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I, I, I looked. I think WCW at the end was doing like what two point five or something. Yeah. But uh, compared to you know nowadays, I, what, what what was their? Do you know what their? Do you keep an eye on their ratings? I knew it's dropped below a two, and I know that when I first heard that, uh, I was like, man, I, I don't think they could drop any further. And they just, I bet. Then if you watch their show, I, it's it's completely understandable why their ratings have dipped. And but you know what? Here's here. Let me say my kind of my idea about WWE and kind of why they're, they're sort of, they changed their business model. You know how they, they're not here for fans anymore. They're here for content. And, you know, and I think that's, I think they kind of changed this kind of motto of what they wanted to do a long time ago. I mean, there's a reason why they make so much money on these TV rights deals, but it's no longer about making fans happy. I mean, if that were the case, you know, they would have changed a million billion things, you know, on, on their, product their current product um but it's not about fan service anymore this is about you know creating more content and selling it to whatever they're the highest bid and and it's like you know we'll try and make a guy but it's you know the guy vince wants it doesn't matter what the fans want they could cheer for whoever they want you know i've i've heard vince mcmahon people say that vince said at one point i would rather have a a building a half-filled building cheer for who I want them to cheer for than a completely slam packed building cheer for just whoever they wanted to. And like, that's such a, what an awful philosophy. If you're trying to, you know, like what a kick to the groin to the, to your fan, you know, your fan base, the guys that the people that actually make you money, but we don't make the money anymore. The ratings are important, but they're not important enough for them to try and change anything. You know, that's they're they're set for, you know, at least the next couple of years. And I, I have to imagine when they do their next rights deal, they're going to get another, uh, I couldn't imagine them not getting another huge bump of money, you know, another billion dollars or whatever it might be. And it's just sort of, that's their, they changed, they, I wouldn't say rightfully, but they very wisely changed their, how they do business. And, and uh, it's more about the money and less about fan attraction, you know, and it makes sense because they're making more money now than they ever have. So it's like, who are we to, you know, to tell them they're wrong? You know, absolutely. And and, and they haven't got to 
release talent either. I mean, they, they there's no justification really for releasing guys left, right, and center, especially when you've got AEW on the rise, and you're effectively. Again, Sorry, go on. No, no, I was say it just again. That's it's it's. I think they're a bottom line company. It's like we don't need to release these guys, but you know, if we're not going to use them, we're not going to use them. So let's get rid of them. You know, it's yeah. It's like a, it's a it's a very unfortunate business, but it's an it's a business they're doing, and um, you know we're not you know <clears throat> I believe they're they signed people to big money deals a couple years ago because they thought AEW was one thing, and I think maybe they kind of believe it's something different. Otherwise, they wouldn't be releasing these people. And it's like you know we're going to push you know whatever whoever we're going to push on TV, and we're going to let the the top dollar people. To me, I I saw I saw all this stuff. I'm thinking they're setting up for a sale. Um, I'm not a business business guy but it's like this looks like they're setting up to sell and and i gotta think that's it would be to nbc universal or maybe disney or whoever and it's it you know it, it kind of again it's it's unfortunate for these people but their bottom line it's like they don't you know we're not here to to make money for you we're here to make money for us you know the the yeah. the board and whatnot so yeah it's uh, you know you see people like uh daniel bryan and uh you know, and I was surprised Braun Strowman, but it's like, you know, it makes sense. It's like if you're paying him a million dollars and like, you know, we're we're not going to really use him. He's not he's not one of our featured attractions anymore. And then dump him. You know, they're, they're just kind of treating him, you know, like how uh, I remember Bret Hart saying they would treat him sort of like cattle, you know, or or like they're, um, I don't know, indentured servitude or something he said. And it's like, well, yeah, it's he's not wrong. He's certainly not wrong. Well, the, the Daniel Bryan one, they, they kind of have no control over because his contract, I think, expired, didn't it? Just and expired, if yeah. a guy wants to go, you know, he wants to go. I mean, you can try, and I'm sure they did try and keep him because, mm-hmm. well, I would hope they wanted to try and keep him. But um, yeah, but you know, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt and you know these guys that they've they've let go recently. Some of those have been real sort of head scratchers. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. back to the questions. Um, the next question is. At any point, did you lose interest in wrestling? So by the time you sort of really got into it around sort of 97 through to mm-hmm. now, was there any point mm-hmm. where you just stopped watching altogether? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I remember when I – I don't remember when I stopped watching. I just remember at one point it was just like, I'm going to watch Monday Night Raw. And then like one day it's like, I could miss Raw this week. I don't care. And then the next week it was like, I just stopped watching it. I, I want to say it was probably – right around 06, 07, somewhere right around there, because it's like, I would kind of come back for the WrestleMania shows, like Royal Rumbles have got to be my favorite pay-per-view, something important always happens in that show, Mm -hmm. and uh, I would probably start watching again until uh, WrestleMania, and then I kind of just stopped watching it, because I just wasn't terribly interested, and like I said, this is around 06, 07, it was right around the time that um, uh, John Cena was, uh, was on top, and and he just wasn't the guy that I was particularly interested in. And, you know, and, and that was that also, um, by the way, that was, a, in my opinion, uh, John Cena is to blame for Roman Reigns not ever being cheered um, and how they're doing it now. It's, I think it's John. It's not him personally, but I think the push of John Cena is the reason why fans have backlashed against uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, so, you know, so for so long and they finally had to turn him heel. And, um, that's a, I have an interesting, I have an interesting philosophy. I have a, I have a, a theory behind that. Um, and maybe I'm going off of, of the questions and I'll answer when I went back into wrestling, uh, after I say that, but I just want to, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this was look at WrestleMania 21, John Cena was, became champion mm-hmm. and he beats uh, JBL. He's a champion. Yep. And fans are happy. They're cool with it. Um, but within about a a year, or he was he was champion for a couple months, and he the fans stopped cheering him, and he was getting like just indifferent reactions. And then maybe then they started kind of booing him because they're like, okay, we don't want this guy to be our guy. So fast forward to WrestleMania 22. I remember hearing about this I, on, on some of the wrestling um, uh, wrestling websites. I, this was before I started. Doing the listen to the observer, but I remember there were appearances. I believe in 22 was in Chicago, and um, 
Cena and, and Triple H were going to be the main event. And, and I remember C, uh, Cena did started like stopping appearing. He stopped appearing at like um, autograph signings, or he would leave early for autograph signings, and Triple H would be there, and he would stay there longer, and he would show up to more. And I think this was the WWE's way of trying to do something unique with John Cena because once they got to WrestleMania, the home crowd booed John Cena and they cheered Triple H. This is when the real booze for a baby face kind of got popular and Triple H got cheered. And it's because the home crowd were felt they were disrespected by John Cena. And I remember hearing about that. And um, after that, it was like, that was their gimmick for John was that he was going to be the guy who was, booed but he was still the baby face and it's almost like we were gonna they were saying we're gonna shove john cena down your throat and you're gonna like it and and it's like their philosophy was at least he gets a reaction which i think is just okay okay it's i can i'm i'm gonna it's an extreme reaction but i'm gonna boo adolf hitler but it doesn't mean that means he's a great you know whatever you know what i mean like that's yeah that's that's not how people work you know i'm not gonna Oh well, I guess we're gonna have to push Adolf Hitler as the new champion. You know what I mean? Like it's that's ridiculous to have that mindset. But that's what there was, and they and they did it for the next ten years or however long it was. Well, I think with and with then, Cena, I think with Cena, he always had the kids in his sort of back mm-hmm, pocket. Yeah. I mean, the, the kids have always loved him, and look at the amount of work he did for Make a Wish, and that was always like the big argument of why you can't turn John Cena is because this guy is like the poster boy for make a wish. Look at all the work he's done. The kids Mm -hmm. adore this guy. That's their hero. You can't tell him. Mm -hmm. Well, I think not only that, you know, but it's a bad, you know, you also got to think this is also a guy who probably does really great merch and, and, uh, you know, turning him heel is going to end up costing the money, the, the company more money. And, it's I heard Bret Hart say there's no way you could ever turn John Cena Hill. And I think that's that I thought that was a kind of a ridiculous statement to make as well. Um, yeah, but I guess if you think about it, I guess what you, you say is right. But uh, but do you think you know, they could have done in like 2011 uh, when CM Punk got really big? Do you think that could have been a time when it could have worked because you had somebody hot enough as to be the top babyface in CM Punk that it could have turned John Cena? Yeah, I, I think um, you'd have to do it right. You couldn't just have John Cena show up one day and just punch the guy in the face or something and like oh, the announcer, oh, he's a bad guy now. You'd have to do something really, really big. Kind of, I, I think it's sort of like Hulk Hogan when he turned. You had to do something big. You can't just come in one day and you know smack a you know your friend in the you know in the face and say I'm a bad guy now. It just wouldn't work. You'd have to do it in a really over the top way. And I don't know if WWE was ever or is ever creative enough to do something like turn John Cena heel. And I mean, like I said, you look at what what they do with Hulk Hogan when he was in, he joined the NWL. I mean, that was it. That was the biggest heel turn of all time. And it worked because, you know, he was getting booze. I mean, it's a little bit different scenario with, with Cena, but uh, you'd really have to, I think the company would have to get behind like a CM Punk, you know, to have your new top baby face to fight your new heel John Cena. And I don't think they were ever willing to go with anyone other than John Cena. He was always going to be the, the guy and there was no one that was going to challenge him. So I, I think they were never behind CM Punk, uh, which is really unfortunate because I, I watch a lot of those old clips as well. And he, the dude was over. Well, yeah, he was, the, he's the, really great. Mike. The one that really comes to mind was when obviously he left off the money in the bank um, and mm-hmm. I think it was like maybe three weeks later. It wasn't. It wasn't long after that he returned and he came back mm-hmm. with cult personality for the first time. And he yeah. comes out, and him and Cena have the have the stare down, and they both got titles because obviously Punk took the title with him, so they had to make a new champion. And Cena b- became the new champion, and Punk comes back with the real yeah. belt, and they both stood there. The- Sorry, gone. Sorry, I say, was that the one night tournament where Rey Mysterio won and then he lost yes. later that night? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Punk comes uh, the, back I, and yeah, they have the stare down. They both hold the belts up, and Punk was way more over than Cena. Yeah, and it wasn't even no, close. I agree. Yeah. But, um, well, I you know it's you know he had that monster babyface reaction at Money in the Bank. He was, he was at his hometown. I think it's just again, I think it's another missed opportunity by the company to really do something really. 
big and maybe get another guy. But again, it was much like Daniel Bryan. In fact, uh, you know, the only reason why I know about a lot of that stuff is because I've gone back and kind of looked at it. But I wasn't aware of any of that stuff uh, because I didn't start watching wrestling again until SummerSlam of 2013. Oh, wow. and that's when I got back into wrestling. Was that Punk and Lesnar? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. remember because I remember that pay per view was stacked. I was. Oh, I yeah, wanted to see. Brian and Cena had a really great match on that show as well, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, they sure did. And and you know it's it's so funny because for uh, you know after they did what they did, I was like, okay, uh, this guy Daniel Bryan, he's going to be the. And I, I'd heard about him before. You know, I think it was American Dragon, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I forget, I think maybe Ring of Honor or whatever, yeah. but he um he uh he he kind of was the guy that the fans got just super behind. And I, I was really wanting to see Daniel Bryan win. And um they did they they he won and then they pulled the the lid out from underneath us and it was like I kind of felt like for like two months kind of watching that main event angle, I I kind of like this gets kind of feels like old school WCW. And that's why I kind of got back into it. And then they, and then they turned him in with the, uh, the Wyatt family. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, whatever. And then I got, and then I got back into it even more when WrestleMania came around. Cause like, this was the, the fans WrestleMania, in my opinion, you know, this was, this, Brian was never going to be in that made event scene. Uh, you know, this, so it was the fans pushing and, and, and that legend, you know, that legendary Royal Rumble will, uh, couple months prior oh, where uh, Ray Mysterio got booed yeah he <laughs> got booed yeah yeah Ray Mysterio and, um, got booed for not being Daniel Bryan yeah yeah he was he was number 30 <laughs> they would have booed anyone exactly uh, that, yeah. that was yeah. I, I watched that I actually I actually bought uh, the SummerSlam and I bought that Royal Rumble and I was that was something that was something else to watch and it's like it makes you so mad when you see it but then looking back it's like man that stuff is you know through through no success of that company's own uh, they got some heated fans, you know, and so it's you want to watch again to uh, you keep on turning in because you want to see your guy win. And, and unfortunately, it was just bad timing. You know, after he won, it was just all downhill because they started booking him with, I believe it was Kane. And it was sort of like a he's the champion, but he's in a secondary feud with Kane, you know, and right. it didn't feel like he was the main event. And then I, I think uh, he got injured and he was gone. And uh, that was and and that was pretty much it. Like they, they were never going to get behind him, and the fans knew that. And then they got behind Roman Reigns, you know. And 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 that's and, and, and if you remember, uh, Roman when he first you know was doing his own single stuff, he was getting cheered, and then the fans were like, "Oh my God, no! Roman Reigns is going to be the next John Cena for the next ten years, and he's going to be shoved down our throats for the next ten, much like John Cena." That's why I said I blame Cena for how. Roman Reigns and the fans saw that and it's like they started booing him and you couldn't get him over you know and and then a lot of the fans started running away in droves the casuals because it's like man I, I can't watch another decade of of Cena 2.0 and um you know it's I, I think now Cena's now he's in legendary status and so fans kind of appreciate him more and um it's it's just an interesting time i think in a bad way now uh for 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 wwe um yeah so what? it's like i said 2000 i'm sorry go ahead no sorry carol uh I, I was gonna say that yeah 2013 i got into it uh back into it and i kind of i wouldn't say i religiously watched but i would I, I i definitely kept more of my thumb on the pulse with it and um but then there's so much, there's so much stuff now. And I, at any given week, there's like 11 or 12 hours of, of WWE, like four to six hour pay-per-view, three hour raw, you know, you got NXT, you got SmackDown, you got whatever. It's like, I, I can bear, I can't keep up with any of this stuff. And so it, unfortunately I've, I've gotten now to the point where it's like, I, I, if I watch any show and I know this is going to, people are going to, Look at me go you're an idiot but if i watch any show i'm probably gonna watch raw and i'm probably gonna put it on mute and i'm probably gonna be watching it while i'm doing something else working on whatever work and i'll occasionally look at it but i get most of my current modern information from listening to uh uh brian just blast wwe and how you know Vinny doing the same thing and and hearing uh dave and, and him good you know kind of swoon over uh 
you know, Japan and uh, NX or uh, AEW and uh, just sort of kind of really hate on WWE. And I think it's there again, rightfully so hating on, on them. It's not a fun product to watch. Well, the next question is, what are your viewing habits now? So you watch Raw on mute every week, as you, as you just said. I mean, do you watch AEW? I wouldn't say I watch it every week. I would definitely say I watch it on occasion, but I put it on mute. Uh, I, I watch the pay-per-views. And I think uh, what Brian said a couple of weeks ago, he says, I think most of the, the, our fan base get our us for for the information, and they'll probably watch the pay-per-views. I'm probably one of those guys. Um I have I have watched um, AEW sporadically. I, I don't I've watched I watched the uh, the the Brody Lee. Tribute. It was Brody yeah. Lee, right? He passed away. That's, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I watched that episode. I I don't think I've ever cried harder, other than when Eddie Guerrero died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I I was I was teared up the entire episode, and then they they did it. They they did a really good tribute, and uh, I, I so I've watched him uh, AEW. Sp- sporadically um i'm a i watched uh, cm punk come back which was just amazing um and then i i listened to uh, jim Cornette. I, I don't know if you any of you guys listen to him the, the guy's just sort of I, I i i make fun of jim Cornette in my brain i'm like this guy's the guy who will scream at the cloud for not being 1987 and he's he's riding around i could guarantee right now he's riding around his brand new 1988 cadillac deville because it's you know it's got all the features on it and, uh, you know, but I, I think it, he, I got to kind of going back and forth about AEW he, and anything he hates about anything about AEW he hates. And I think it's just kind of shooting. I feel like it's a, an out of touch, well, very out of touch kind of philosophy. Yeah, he does. But he also, uh, he is a fan of MJF though. I mean, he, he does like MJF. He also likes, uh, I know he likes uh, MJF and, uh, oh, FTR, FTR as well. Punk. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he loves it, yeah, FTR. Um, he likes punk too. He was a big fan of that stuff. Um, but it's you know he twinkle toes and uh, what he he called the uh, <laughs> uh, the um, uh, the um, the brothers. What are the um, young blanking bucks. here? Young bucks. Yeah, he yeah. calls them all sorts of whatever names. And uh, you know, it's just I, I I don't know. To me, it's just like you know he 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 really. Um, he really harped on Dave um, for certain things, and it's, it's almost hypocritical. Um, I remember, you know, he's like, Dave's changed his philosophy about so much. I don't know. He's must be on that. I'm like, I went back and listened to a podcast of his about four or five years ago, and Dave says the exact same yeah, thing absolutely. then that he said yeah. now, that he says now. I mean, it's like he hasn't changed anything. You know, he said, I don't like, you know, Dave says, I don't like some of this stuff. But you know what? It's the fans get behind it, and so it's got to mean something. And it's like he hasn't changed a, a single word that he said about anything. It's it's just weird that how Jim has kind of skewed his perception. Um, I, I remember um, a couple months ago, he, Dave had mentioned, and I remember listening to to uh, Observer Radio when he mentioned he said it. He was talking about the. Charlotte, she was getting her teeth worked on, and he said something like, "Well, you know, that's kind of how WWE does. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna make uh, women more self-conscious, and they made people made fun because he said subconscious or something, but whatever." And he was like, "You know, they're gonna be more self-conscious about you know their appearances," and that's all he said. And then somehow this got to um, Charlotte, and she's Dave, you can go to hell. She tweeted or something. And I'm like, "Oh, that was an overreaction," and. Um, and then Cornette gets a hold of it, and he's like, "I don't understand what would cause Dave, Uncle Dave, to say something like this." And I'm thinking to myself, Jim, like two weeks ago, you did a 45 minute tirade blasting Miro and Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, and you basically were calling for 45 minutes. You were calling Penelope Ford a whore. Like, I cannot believe you would, and you know, like you would say, you know, bad on you, Dave, for you know, being so crash about, you know, Ashley Flair. It's like that kettle calling the teapot black or teapot calling the kettle black. It's unbelievable. I thought like, I don't know. I just, it's, uh, there's these, I don't know. I couldn't, you can't tell if it's real or not, you know, especially with him, with uh, Cornette. He's so good at preserving kayfabe. <laughs> so who knows? He gets himself over, I guess. They're hating on AEW. That's, yeah. that's, that's his philosophy. 
I think with with, with Cornette, I think a, a lot of it is is genuine. Unfortunately, I, I think with with Bruce Pritchard, when Bruce Pritchard bashes Dave and 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 Eric Eric Bischoff to a point, a lot of yep. that is just sort of playing playing things up. It, I don't think it's quite as bad as they make out at times. Uh, but with Agreed. Cornette, I think Cornette just generally doesn't care for Dave anymore, which is a shame because they were at one point quite good friends. And they're both yeah. really great historians. I mean, if you're going to yes. pick someone's brain about wrestling history, Dave Meltzer and Jim Cornette are, are two perfect guys to do that. But yeah, Cornette is just, the business I think has just passed him by, I think is, is mm-hmm. a lot of it as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's uh, everything you said, 100%. Yeah, it's it's it, it's especially when um, yeah Bischoff and Pritchard. I, I've always I listen there. I'm a big fan of Conrad Thompson, and uh, he's kind of just a bro man, you know, uh, like a millionaire bro man. And and it's so funny to hear the way they talk to each other and and how he put takes those guys at task. You know, Pritchard and, and Bischoff. Uh, the two things I I will say about those guys. I'm I'm kind of just going all over the place here. Um, I. Pritchard, a number one is a yes man, and I, you can hear it on his in his voice. Like he can't even, he says he's not, but he 100 percent is. He's a a yes man, but he's entertained to listen to, and I, I believe a lot of backstage stuff he talks about, even though he is a it is a skewed perspective. Um, with Bischoff, I, I found him shockingly genuine, and when he says I don't remember, I think I truly believe he doesn't remember. I think he's a, he's a very he plays. He tries to be, um, I don't say play play the politics, but he tries not to. He's got to be very he's intentionally careful with what he says and how he says it because he's almost a political kind of thing. But I, I found him very genuine uh, when he says what he says, and, and even though some people would say, you know, uh, they'll never something about uh, you'll, you'll never uh, keep a. a keep a lie in, in front of a, the store or keep a, a lie in front of a, the truth or something like that. I forget. I, it was, it was Garrett who told me it. And I thought, well, that's, that doesn't, that's almost kind of unfair in my opinion to guys like them, because it's like, they were there. They, you know, it's like, they're going to, they're going to play it up a bit, but I, 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 I think they're more genuine than, than they're given credit for. I've always, I, and I've always up until listening to their podcast, I've always believed what everyone else says is that anything that Bischoff says is probably a lie. And the same thing with, with uh, Pritchard, it's anything they say is probably like, and you know, I, I think there's skewed truths to some of their saying, but I, like I said, I, I found, um, especially Bischoff, I found, I found him very, uh, uh, very genuine. And, and, and in some cases, not so much with Bruce, but, but, uh, but they're fun to listen to for sure. Well, I don't get the time much, but I used to listen to Bischoff's podcast quite a lot. Um, and I don't really get a chance much now. But um, yeah, I was really quite surprised because if you had told me sort of 10, 15 years ago that I would rather listen to Eric Bischoff talk about wrestling than Jim Cornette, I, I'd say you're crazy because I, I, I used to yeah. absolutely love to listen to Jim Cornette. But now sure. I find it really quite irritating listening to, to yeah. Cornette. But uh, yeah, Bischoff, he's got a very... Yeah, a very honest, I'd say it's a very honest podcast when he goes back and looks at things that have happened in the past. But um, we'll come on to the next set of questions. And um, the first one is favorite wrestler of all time. So who would you uh, select for that? Um, you know, it's I, I thought about it. And I'm thinking, do I, I don't I don't know if I could say there's one in particular. I could tell you at certain times. You know, it was probably Sting, you know, and then I think it was Goldberg for a while. And then I was a big fan of Taker there for, for a minute. And uh, uh, so, man, favorite of all time, I, I I don't. It's it's almost like the, the question, the Mount Rushmore question. I think you're the one that posted on there, right? Yeah. Every week there's a Mount Rushmore on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, to me, I've always found that so hard to answer because it's like. Would you say just wrestlers? I mean, was it based off of their wrestling merit? You know, uh, you know, is it based off of their charisma, the fan reaction? It's it's so hard. I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't do it. Mount Rushmore. I've seen people do top ten lists, and it's and it's like you know, if you include John Cena at number two, and you know, it's like, like well, why would you put Cena at two? Well, you know, you could put Hulk Hogan, you know, at, at number two, or Steve Austin, or whatever. So I, I can't. I really don't think I have a. a 
definitive answer of who my favorite of all time is. Maybe Bill Goldberg, because I, I enjoyed his, you know, he's my early wrestling, but maybe Sting. Uh, Ric Flair's got to be on there as favorites, but I just don't think there's one that I say that's that's my guy I'm going with for ever and ever. I just I think it's a too hard a question to ask because there's so many really great, yeah, great people out there. But then there's people that will instantly go, well, of course, Bret Hart, you know, or, or Ric yeah. Flair, or whoever, or Shawn Michaels. They they immediately have an answer for that. But yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. I I probably would go with Bret Hart, but. I could pick any number of guys. I mean, I could pick Kurt Angle. I could pick, you know, there's, sure. there's so many guys I've, I've been a fan of over the years. But what about a favorite match of all time? Is that an easier one to answer? Yeah, probably a little bit more. I guess, uh, you know, I, I had thought about that. And at first it was kind of tough. And I'm thinking like, man, I, I have to say, again, being a WCW guy that I am, I, I think it might have been that Havoc, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr., Eddie Guerrero uh, match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, uh, it was title versus mask, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I don't think it was here. I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. Um, I thought it was title versus mask. It may well have been. Yeah, but it's an no, absolutely amazing match. Yeah. Well, what's what's even, you know, that I remember he did. I remember I watched it when I first saw it, and I thought, okay, this is a cool match. Because I just first in pro wrestling, so I'm assuming most of the matches are going to be like this. And then uh, I remember watching it years later and going, this is absolutely just over the top. Re- excellent. You know, I remember he Ray flipped over. I want to say he flipped over the ref to Guerrero on the ground his uh, to a leg scissor, I suppose. And then he hurricane rotted him outside. And I was like, man, that's two or three moves in a row, like like right there in midair. And. Uh, and then I remember there was like a Hoovy match, I want to say, where Hoovy picked him up for a top rope powerbomb and both guys mid move, they switched the power bomb into a hurricane Rana. And uh, that's how Ray pinned him. I thought that's like, that's unbelievable. Like that's, that is talent. I don't even know what, what to say. So, um, yeah, I think that's one, if, if it's not my favorite, it's going to be one of my favorites. Maybe, maybe the, uh, that Goldberg Lesnar survivor series match, because that actually, like I said, I was it was three a.m. when I was actually able to watch it and uh, and to see uh, the surprise Matt, uh, you know, it was short and it was sweet and it was you saw it and it was just like I remember three a.m. and I'm in my apartment complex and I scream as loud as I can when Goldberg gets that spear. I probably got a complaint or two, but like I said, that's there's some good stuff on there, yeah. Yeah, because Lesnar had been protected so well. I mean, this is a guy that yeah. ended the streak. You know, and yes, he yeah. been protected so well, and then Goldberg comes in and beats him. Was it like two minutes? Minute twenty-four. Yeah, I think it was minute twenty-four. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah. Um, but um, Goldberg, I mean, the thing with Goldberg, because as I think I've said before, when he came to WWE the first time in like two thousand three, mm-hmm. they did everything yeah. wrong. Everything you yeah. could possibly, even down to changing his music. I mean, they, they did like a different variation of it. And, and to me, when he came back in 2016, everything they got wrong the first time, they got right. Agreed. And Goldberg's yeah, like agreed. one of the few examples, maybe the only example actually, of a guy that made his name somewhere else and he's come back. And, and now, I mean... Okay, you can't bring back the Undertaker anymore. You can't. You can't get Steve Austin. I mean, you know, The Rock is not available. So they have to sort of rely on Goldberg to be that sort of guy to bring back for a, like a big match. And this is a guy that made his name not in WWE but elsewhere, and and that's sort of unheard of, really. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm I'm glad that you kind of talk about that because um, I think unfortunately a lot of people say the shine is off of him now, and uh, you could certainly say that because the fans are kind of booing him every time. But you know, the, I think the first problem I have is that they're putting him in the title matches, and you know, you want to see him squash a, you know, a, 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 a Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when they did that, it was the, the fans were right behind him. They were cool with him. But then you have him face a guy like Undertaker. And, you know, he's got that reputation for hurting people, even though, in my opinion, I don't think he hurt. He was not as bad. He's not a Nia Jax. You know what I mean? He's just, you know, it's just sort of certain circumstances on some of those like the Undertaker match and, and uh, you know, 
hurting Bret Hart, which I've also kind of heard that it might have not have been that that kick to the head that actually hurt him, but it was like a, a, a fall to the outside that that, that might have actually done it. But uh, Goldberg gets a lot of heat for doing that. And, and a lot of fans, they, they call him Oldberg, you know, and I'm like, you know, like, here's what's funny is that the same WC, you know, WWE fans who say call him Oldberg retire they're cheering the undertaker that they've ever saw him again, you know, and they say, well, well, he's only there two times a year. What a lazy, whatever. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Isn't one of your favorites, Brock Lesnar. And how many times is he around? It's like, it feels, I don't want to say hypocritical, but it feels like a lot of these guys are, you know, it, they don't hate, they hate Goldberg because he has the stink of WCW on him. And I think that was their, that was a big problem. And I've listened to Bruce, Bruce Pritchard's podcast, um, you know, he he had mentioned many times that that the whole run, the whole Goldberg run, was snake bit, and it's really like everything they touch is really just turns to poison. And uh, they did it right, and they, you know, I think Goldberg would be more over now with the the current WWE fans. I think if he were, like I said, programmed with a with a Miz, you know, or something like that, or a guy that the fans saw as like a definitely a, a lower mid-tier he ain't going anywhere uh, i'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head ziggler was a good example of that you know you put him with some of those guys but you put him with like a you know a uh um a bobby lashley who's yeah. just absolutely a phenomenal um you know talented guy and i'm so i'm glad he's he's champion he's i'm, I'm a big fan of his um but you put him with that and it's like the fans are gonna make that you know you you knew that the fans are going to boo him out of the building. And it's, it's, uh, who knows if it's, it's, he's, he himself physically probably could go for another couple of years, but who knows what, what the fans are going to say um, with the guy. You know, like I said, he's, he's one of my favorites. I always cheer the guy, but even I'm like going, oh, don't, don't put him in the title picture. It's going to kill him. And, and sure enough, it, it, he didn't look good. Well, that's three matches now in a row, isn't it? Because I mean, he he lost to Strowman at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and then he lost to Drew, and now he's lost to Lashley, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, my assumption is, and I think this is the same thing that uh, Brian Alvarez said. So I'm, maybe I'm just parroting him, but um, is that they're going to uh, Saudi Arabia, and they're not going to put the belt on Goldberg. But I assume they're going to do a non-title match, and Goldberg's yeah, going to right. beat him in two minutes. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. And whenever Goldberg gets, he's supposed to have some type of. I don't know when they're having going to Saudi Arabia either. It's do you know? I think it's soon. I think it's is it October? I want to say it's October as well. Uh, I, I don't know when, how long he's going to be out with that legit injury he's got. So uh, it, I, I'm assuming yeah. they're going to they're going to probably do the same thing with him at, in Saudi Arabia because it's a lot easier. He's a big name too, because <clears throat> that's kind of what killed the Fiend character in in some ways. Was when when Goldberg beat him. I think that was was that a Saudi show as well. I want to say I think it was. I I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It was too. Yeah, because I, I I remember kind of watching it and thinking and going like, oh, the fans aren't reacting so badly. And then I remember it's Saudi Arabia where they're probably not even sure who they're watching in the ring now. Well, yeah, because when they when they did the first Saudi show, didn't they sort of make requests for like Yokozuna and and guys that had actually passed away to be there? I don't remember that, but that that sounds <laughs> that sounds right. Because if you watch that first Saudi show, they they had this sumo guy on the show, and I, I think that was to appease the prince, who I think they requested they have Yokozuna, who would who would. Yeah, passed away several years before that. But anyway, but um, the uh, the yeah, next. No. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was. You're fine. The next question is um, best live show you've attended. So, so what's the best show you've been to? Um, it's kind of again. I'm gonna sound like a, I'm a record on repeat, but it, it had to be that that first Nitro into, uh, hearing Arn Anderson and them. They were all talking for so long. I remember this is how bad I was at the time. Uh, I couldn't tell you much about NWA wrestling. And um, I was like, why in the heck is is uh, is um, J.J. Dillon in the ring? Like, 
I get the other horsemen, but why is JJ there? And of course, I never knew <laughs> at the time. Let me say how bad I was as far as when like 98 or whatever, I talked to some of my friends at school. I'm going off on a tangent here, but I talked to some of my friends at school and I was, I, we were there sitting there talking and I go, guys, guys, did you know that Scott Hall wrestled in the WWF as Razor Raymond? <laughs> and the one guy goes, yeah, Razor Ramon. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, my favorite uh, live event. I mean, it's it it was Nitro easily the Ric Flair return, uh, one of the best wrestling um, returns I've ever seen. Done so well, you know. Bischoff comes out, the fans boo. Flair, I mean, it, people were crying. You know, that was yeah, excellent. Uh, it really, really one of the one of the best, one of the last best great moments in in WCW. No, yeah, it, it absolutely was, yeah. And um, the final question I ask everyone is, uh, in many ways, the hardest question, apart from maybe favorite wrestler, as you, as you said earlier. But um, if you could change one thing about the wrestling business, just one thing, what would it be? So, is there one thing that you wish you could change about it? Oh, um, this actually, it's you know, when you ask me that before to kind of think about it uh, I actually had a hard time kind of thinking about you know like overall like what would I change about it you know um, I, you know and, and this is just not just in WWE but in all of you know NWA and WCW and AEW and TNA and I, I don't know if there's anything that I'm 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 a smart guy but I don't think I'm a smart enough guy to know you know, I don't know enough to know enough. Does that makes any if that makes any sense? Like I, I, I like it, and I I could suggest you know oh well you know what stop, you know, stop booking all the big men or something. And uh, there's just I, I don't know if I would change anything because if you change anything from the past, it's going to change how things are now. And I'm I'm pretty content, especially with AEW. But uh, as far as booking, um. I just don't know. I, I just, I really don't have any solid, great answers. I wish I, I really do wish I, I did. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, I know it's a tough business and it's like, I just feel like I'm not a smart enough guy to, to know what a, a good change would be. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm sorry. That's not a good answer for you. <laughs> but that's, that is like <laughs> the one I've kind of, I've thought about the most. Well, you kind of said earlier about the WWE now no longer, sort of listening to what the fans want. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that they definitely, if, if they want to, because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Vince will not be here forever. And, and as you said earlier, they're probably going to end up selling the company. I don't see, well, I certainly don't see Triple H taking over. The If you you know see what's happened with NXT now, I mean, he seems to have completely mm -hmm. fallen out of favor. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Who knows what the future holds? But I just don't see how the WWE can carry on being the number one company. Is, is, is it going to come to a point, do you think, where AEW overtakes them, dare I say? Um, I mean, in what aspect? I mean, in, in ratings? Probably, yeah, in ratings, possibly. Probably, I mean, they're, yeah. they're 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 projecting much better upwards rating wise. Financially, I, I don't think it would ever happen. I mean, it's again, that's just because they're a billion dollar company. We've right. just made five billion dollars. You know, you, you know. With that, like I said, it's even though they're in like the worst creative slump of I have ever seen the company, they are making more money. So why why change? You know what I mean? That's why I I I would have thought you know yeah, listen to your fans more. You know, as a booking philosophy, but it's like, if I'm in WWE, why do I need to listen to the fans? We're already making, you know, head over heels more money we've ever made. So what's the point of you? Know, why listen to the? Why change what we're doing now? You know, it's so if I'm in WWE, it's like, hey, what's 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 the winning concoction for us? It's what we're doing now, and it's like, so while we're in that company, I wouldn't say, hey, listen to the fans more because we don't need to. Um, even though realistically, it's like that's that's kind of how your company should go. It's not, and and I hate that. And that's that's why I it's it's a tough question to ask. What would I change? You know, because it's in their point of view, they don't need to change anything. You know, AEW, 
it's, I don't think I'd change anything. There are some things on there that, <clears throat> yes, you kind of go, okay, I get why Cornet hates it. But then there are a lot of other things where you're like, hey, this stuff is fun. This is entertaining to me, you know? Uh, I don't know if there's, again, it's just, it's tough to change uh, a business like like professional wrestling. You know, you, you really, you know, go back and change one thing, you know? I, I would say, hey, uh, Jim Crockett, maybe... Uh, Maybe stop spending, you know, fifty thousand dollars on your Lear jets, and maybe focus more on, uh, <laughs> you know, focus more on uh, on getting your company afloat, keeping your company going. Yeah, no, absolutely, um, Steve. We could we could talk forever. Uh, we we really could. Uh, there's so much ground that we've covered on this on this podcast, but there's so much more ground. We could cover because so we've been mm-hmm. we've been fa- both been fans of this for I think we're we're around the sort of similar age. I mean, you, you're maybe a little bit older than me because um, I was born in '86. So were you born '84? Okay. '84, yeah, March. I was born March 13th, 1984. So if I ever forget what my age is, I just remember I go to uh, or if I remember my age, I remember go to I go to WrestleMania. If I forget what uh, what WrestleMania because they don't do the the numbers anymore. Like I think this one's 37. This one's 38. Yeah, it's because I'm 38, 37, you know. Yeah, it's really hard to keep track. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I seem to remember things that happened 15 years ago a lot better than what happened, you know, last year. Right, yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> yeah, and it's, I think that's in general and in, in pro wrestling too. It's, I can remember 15 years ago, but I certainly couldn't imagine. I don't remember what happened yesterday, yeah. That's how it goes, man. Let me tell you, there's some, there are also things, you're getting older, I could, I could tell you some really weird stories about how your body goes through some even more changes when you get older, and it's not fun. No, we've got all that to look forward to. <laughs> but, we'll uh, do that on part two, yeah, part two of the podcast. Yeah, if we ever do, I'll, I'll, I'll if we ever do part two, we can, we can, we can cover all that stuff, yeah. But um, <laughs> thanks very much, Steve, for, uh, for coming on, and I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. Hey man, Dave, I, I appreciate you having me on here, and um, I, I'm us kind of working with each other's schedules. I know your yours is a little bit wackier than mine, and and uh, I appreciate you just letting me come on here and just rant and rave, and and hopefully if anyone listens to it, they'll they uh, they'll be entertained. And uh, I, I I've enjoyed uh, talking to you though, man. It's it's been it's been a time. It's been good. Right. Absolute pleasure on my part, certainly. So uh, thank you to uh, Steve for joining me and uh, do join me again next time for another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. <laughs>